Hello, and welcome to the To The Stars podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. In his introduction to Battlefield Earth, L. Ron Hubbard wrote that science fiction, particularly in its golden age, had a mission, beating the drum to get man to the stars. On this show, I'm very, very happy to be able to introduce someone who is very much living that life of getting man to the stars. Welcome, Diego Martinez. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. So you're a science teacher, and I'm just going to quickly run through your, um, your credits here, then we'll discuss some of the stuff here. But uh, uh, Diego is a science teacher teaching up at uh, the Delphian schools up in Portland, Oregon. In 2018, he won the Island Shepherd Technology and Education Award. He's been a space exploration educator's crew educator for how long? Uh, that's been for the past four years. Four years, and then Space Foundation teacher since 2008. He built the teslaerospace.org site where you can find um, uh, Diego and his mission located there, and that's for STEM-related careers with students. Um, he's got an upcoming TEDx, and um, we've got lots of great things to talk about. So let's get started. So, Diego, how did you get started on your, on your journey to um, work with science? <laughs> science fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that's the case with a lot of people over at NASA and, uh, the, and the Space Foundation and, you know, anywhere you have people that are trying crazy things that have never been done before. Yeah. Uh, you know, situations like Elon Musk where he comes up with ideas and, and uh, you know, you find out the amount of um, science fiction that a lot of people have read. It's it's pretty clear where uh, some of that inspiration comes from. Yeah, in fact, even when um, one of the uh, more recent uh, Star Wars uh, premieres, um, I was talking with Elon Musk, and he talked about how he'd read Battlefield Earth and a lot of other science fiction stories that were his uh, younger, um, I guess, inspiration to his uh, his life's journey. So I totally oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 totally fascinating. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it. I'm reading science fiction, and I, I Elon has a plan. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I just read that in the book. <laughs> I just read that in a piece of sci-fi or something. You know, and yeah. uh, you know, also when he launched the Falcon Heavy, when SpaceX launched the Falcon Heavy, and he sent the car um, yeah. into space. There was that was just filled with sci-fi. Um, just great stuff. It's a it's a great time to be interested in this field. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, anyway, so you started with reading science fiction, and then how did it evolve? Because I remember you were one of the very first ones to uh, support uh, the Tesla. I think you were one of the first uh, owners, even. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it was. Um, I was actually reading Missioners, and. Um, you know, I heard about this uh, this red car, and it was cherry red, and it had a hydrogen engine. Uh, my senior research in college was um, it was on fuel cell technology. So I just I, I got really interested in how we can come up with some kind of other fuel other than hydrocarbon fuels, other than gas. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, I got interested um, in Mission Earth. I was reading stuff about. Um, fuel cells. I actually got to test some of the first fuel cell vehicles in California and um, started doing more of the research and you just find out the big the big um, necessity for electric engines and how how further along that technology was. 
um, and you dive into it, it's just it's fascinating. It's a fascinating story. It's a really good movie called um, uh, 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 Revenge of the Electric Car. Um, who killed the electric car? And Revenge of the Electric Car. Um, and then you see, um, you know, you see that that kind of the scenarios getting played out. So just really fascinating. <laughs> well, that's great. So with um, respect to you becoming an educator, so instead of going into research yeah, yeah. or following, you, you took the path of being an educator. How'd that happen? Right. Right. So I'm um, researching. I, I was getting a chemistry degree at Adams State. And, um, you know, I, I was really actually Hubbard science fiction, um, specifically the Mission Earth book. I was just really inspired to uh, get... Uh, a car built. I started researching how, how to build an electric car. I found some groups that were um, building electric cars. They had some, you know, batteries, just lead-acid batteries that were connected. And I was saving up for a car, and then I start hearing about this character, Elon Musk, and I found out for what it's going to take me to build the car, I can uh, get my down payment in for the Model S. And so when uh, I first got the email, it was a it was called Project White Star, and that was the first, um, that was supposed to be the SUV, that, uh, Tesla's first SUV. They had already make it, they had already made the Roadster. Uh-huh. And um, I got, I got that vehicle, um, I, I, I got the first um, deposit down for that. And so we anxiously awaited, we saw stuff happening, we were keeping up on news, what was going on. Um, there was actually some executives from Tesla that were killed, Um you know, in a plane crash that was pretty wild. And you, so you start reading some of these things that's go, that are going on, you know, um, battles with the energy companies, things like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just really totally, you know, it's like all of a sudden you're, um, flung forward into it and you're in the middle of history. Um, and there, you know, it was an honor to meet Elon and, um, start, you know, start working on these problems. And, you know, my, one of my ideas was like, okay, I can go work for Tesla and go help out these guys or go work with SpaceX. But when I started doing the research, when I started doing research and what was going on in the world, and I just felt like the, the biggest inefficiency we face right now is education. It's not even in energy. It's not even like tech and computers. It's in education. We're just really behind the times and how we can take a student from not understanding things to a productive member of society. So that's when I got really interested in education and applying, um, you know, scientific pr- principles to evolve education and make it better. Which is which is just an awesome, awesome activity. Now, you got a special little twist on that, on the science, which is you yourself were inspired by science fiction, and you've got uh, some stories about how you've used science fiction to interest your otherwise disinterested students into approaching science? Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things that I started in, in my public school in uh, Southern Colorado, uh, we started Science Fiction Fridays. And um, my students loved it. We would, you know, we would, we would we'd be in class and we could just throw out ideas and we could talk about what would happen with this. How would you actually make a lightsaber? And my students would just, you know, get super interested in it. And, you know, some of the things were um, uh, some of the science fiction that's act- that's in Battlefield Earth. Um, I brought up I brought up this idea how they in Battlefield Earth 
the cyclo has um, an electronic implant in his in, that's implanted at birth underneath his skull. And so there's some science fiction in how they use electrochemistry to pull that out. And um, so I'm talking about this to, with students, and they're so interested. I mean, it was, you know, compare that to, like, trying to put notes on a board and getting kids to uh, pay attention to notes and get ready for a test. I had their attention. Yeah. They were just like, they were just like, tell us more. You know, we want to hear about the book. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. So at, at, at I think it was at around that time I had contacted um, Galaxy Press and asked um, if we could, if there was any way we could get some books donated because we were going to this big uh, science, uh, this big science conference. It was called the, it was called iSweep. It was in Houston called the International Sustainability World Engineering Environment Project Olympiad. And so we got books that were given as gifts from the kids of Colorado to the world. Um, we were competing against 76 countries in 44 states. And my one of my students, Kelsey Garcia, she was uh, she won a gold medal for the United States, and it was really it was a really proud moment. So my students were there; they were giving out Battle to Earth books, and then they were getting gifts from other countries. So there's kids from Kazakhstan that were uh, getting they were getting uh, uh, they were giving a gift to my students, and my students were handing them Battle to Earth, and it was really well received. And then my kids had a bunch of uh, loot that they got back, so they were really happy. <laughs> and you know, and then when me knowing the full story, having read this full story of Battlefield Earth, you know how international it is. Yeah, you know, you know, and it really like it was really like a moment that I was just really proud to give that. So thank you again to I, I don't remember the the donor that that helped out that got us those books um, that donated them, but appreciate you getting those to us. That really was a cool event. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. Yeah. So with, um, with what you do, what's your relationship with STEM? Um, so I, um, STEM is, so STEM is science, technology, um, engineering and math. And basically uh, it's, it's just a word that was coined to, um, get kids interested in more technological, um, stuff. Uh -huh. And you know, there's there's a big there's a there's a big um, shortage of of STEM um, STEM personnel that can take up these jobs, and the the world has this huge problem of um, you know we have retiring engineers and everything, and we want to be able to motivate students to take these jobs, but right now a lot of students don't think they can participate. Um, you know, and part of it is the way that math science, the way that STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math is presented to them. They they kind of lose purpose for it, you know. But uh -huh. when you have when you have a, a like a an epic like like Battlefield Earth or other sci-fi books, they get you'll see a kid grab onto a purpose. You know, it's like when the kid first you know sees like the 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 lightsaber. And he's like, how would that work? Could we actually make one? You know, they start asking these questions. And so those questions start leading to more lessons and then they have a purpose. They learn so much faster. You know, I found with education, if you um, find the student's purpose, you can, you can get a lot more education to them in a shorter amount of time. That and, totally makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's night and day. Compare that to... Um, I, I compare that to when I first started as a teacher. I was beating my head against the wall. I was like, how do I, you know, I was doing what they told me. I was doing what 
you know, what a lot of educators are told, you know, writing effective lessons, doing this, doing that. It was just like, I don't know about all these other teachers. I'm going to stick with space because the kids are way interested in space. It's just an easier, it's an easier um, career. And so I've just kept that up and followed those successful actions that I've done year after year. And, and that's included his, uh, his science fiction, uh, science, science fiction to science fact. And, you know, I've had uh, award-winning um, scientific research students and, uh, you know, ended up winning tons of awards by just keeping that up, you know. So any teachers out there listening to this podcast, I totally recommend um, taking your love for science fiction and taking it to the students. You know, have a Science Fiction Friday where you're talking about concepts from some of your favorite sci-fi books. And, um, you know, Battlefield Earth, there is, uh, there's a, there's just tons of ideas in there. You know, it was written to be a, a piece of pure science fiction. And Hubbard, uh, right in the beginning, he defines on, he defines science fiction. Um, he, he, di- dif- he differentiates it between fantasy and sci-fi. Right. And I think that's a, a lot of people really don't understand that about the genre. Um, because sometimes you'll see some stories, you know, especially with new writers, you'll see they're, they kind of go into the fantasy world and um, science fiction, and they kind of lose the readers. But, you know, the old the the old guys, <laughs> the guys that have been really successful, golden age of science fiction, they, they knew what the, the genre was and kept it, kept it a little more pure. <laughs> well, you're talking so, about your purpose with uh, students when they have their purpose. It just it goes much faster. They had a purpose, and it was, you know, it's written in the introduction to Battlefield Earth where um, Robert Heinlein and Aaron Hubbard and several other authors met to try to direct uh, man, mankind's attention to space rather than the constant warring because World War II had recently finished. Korea was escalating. They said, we've got to do something about this and take men's attention off of fighting each other. And let's fight the unknown. Let's let's take that as a challenge. And so they started writing a lot of um, science fiction stories to generate and create a space race rather than the arms race, which was going on at the time. And so that was the purpose of that. And like you said, with your own experience, it tends to engender a, a real rapid increase in duplication and interest in um, that subject matter if you really got a purpose for it. And that's that's what they tried to accomplish with that. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, I I compare it like, you know, if you, comparing that, like w- what you just said, it's kind of like, you know, you can get the idea of what was happening on a global scale. If you ever had to stay inside a house with a bunch of people for a long time and you weren't doing anything, <laughs> like yeah. cabin fever kind of sets in and people start tearing apart each other. Like if you were to go off to a, a remote cabin with people and you had to stay inside and you were inside for like a week, uh, you know, you'd start getting a little antagonistic with people and, you know, it might end, you could end up getting in fights and that's what mankind was doing. And, you know, the, the, the authors, including Hubbard, they, 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 uh, they put another vision there. You know, right. Elon Musk is doing it now. Uh, to me, um, he's a hero because he's putting, he's putting our attention out on Mars. He's like, let's conquer Mars, you know? And that's that was all fueled by science fiction. That exactly. Was all fueled, that's fueled by him reading Battlefield Earth. That's him 
that's fueled by him reading other other stories um as well so it's uh it's it's not something um it's not a light subject it's something that kind of is a is a matter of national security because if if we don't put our attention out there you know people you know like what's going on with um you know when countries things that have happened in in the middle east over the decades you know it's like oh we got to put our attention outward we're it's mankind together. Let's get out there and conquer something. <laughs> exactly, not each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah. your not your neighboring country. So, right, um, right. so um, explain to me a little bit about what the uh, what Seek is. You talked about uh, your Seek educator. So, what is that space exploration education crew? Okay, so um, Seek was started by um, uh, well. So that that has to do with uh, Space Center Houston. So Space Center Houston is the face of NASA, right? Um, at Johnson Space Center, and so basically the country was divided into um, into six groups, and so I'm part of the Seek crew from the Northwest. So I'm a Seek I'm a Seek crew member. There's there's six of us, and then there's basically the country was divided, and you had like some of the top teachers apply to the program, uh-huh. and then they were selected, and now there's um, now there I think we I think we number about 45 teachers that are in seat crew yeah and there's there's some of the top space educators um, in the country and you know they bring really cool space uh, lessons to class and every year we get together for a conference it's seat conference so if any any uh, space teachers or any teachers that just want to learn more about how to teach space in class I highly recommend you go into this conference. Um, takes place in February. You could just look it up. It's S E E C. That's Space Center Houston's webpage. And um, yeah, it's a great conference. And um, being part of that group, it's given me a platform to share science fiction ideas, to send, to share lesson plans, to share. Uh, you know, last year I, I worked um, with a guy who was uh, he was on Hawaiian Island. And he was simulating a mission to Mars. He was on his name's Andres Stewart, uh-huh. and he was on. He works. He's a NASA employee. But him and I presented at the conference, and he um, he spent six weeks in preparation for a Mars mission. And so to me, he's the closest thing to a person who's actually been to Mars, because they would have to like every time they left their their um, habitat, they they had to wear spacesuits. They're on a Hawaiian volcanic island, doing all this. So. Really, really cool, uh, really cool, fun things. That and there it is. There's science fiction again. Um, the possibility of what what could be, what would what would it be like to be on Mars? <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, yeah. that's interesting because I just recently spoke with another um, engineer with uh, JPL working on the Mars 2020 project, and we were talking about the helicopter that is going to be. Oh deployed. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I said, how does that work with with so little atmosphere? And he said, well, it goes really fast, and the blades are a lot bigger, and it's a lot lighter. But um, yeah. they tested it, and it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually was just in that facility where they were testing it. It was It's a uh, uh, big vacuum chamber that they have. Um, well, I don't know if they were testing it exactly that one, but they test things like that. You know, NASA has a big evacuated chamber. They said they they evacuate and then they just built it up to the atmosphere of Mars to see if it would actually work. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, like right now with with all the computer simulations, they're able to test things digitally before they even have to um, test it 
empirically with 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 big chambers like that. Yeah, the technology is just going crazy. Yeah, and and you know the the government, um, the nation is having a problem keeping students interested. You know, because too often they start hitting those chemistry classes and they're failing them. And they really don't have to fail them, but if you give them a problem like, okay, you guys got to figure out this. You got to keep a person alive for for two weeks on Mars. All of a sudden, it becomes easy to teach chemistry. Kid wants to know, well, how do you, how would you turn carbon dioxide into fuel? You know, that's the big challenge that um, that Elon's facing now with coming back from uh, Mars. Is you know how how do we make fuel? And I have a student actually working on a project like that right now. Wow! And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's totally fascinating stuff. Um, but when you when you bring it in the form of science fiction and like what could happen? How would we do that? Kids are totally interested. It makes it way easier to teach chemistry than here. Memorize this. Take these notes. Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was interesting yeah. when I was because um, I was. In college myself, I was studying a lot of math, and it, I kind of like um, totally went out the top when I had to do nth dimensional calculus, which had absolutely no correlation to anything in the real world. And at that point, uh-huh. I, I got it got so bad I couldn't even do basic arithmetic anymore. It was just yeah. I was, I was oh just so gosh. like <clears throat> you know it was just so far from any reality, um, and it took several years going back and really just re-understanding the basics of math and arithmetic and just really understanding what each of the terms meant and getting that going again. And then one day I was working on a construction project and uh-huh. uh, we had to lay down the, um, um, basically draw out the, the first wall and the first corner and it had to be obviously 90 degrees. And uh-huh. I was like, how do you know, what's your thing on it? He says, well, you just do, you know, you've got... Um, they said it was uh, um, basically Pythagorean, Pythag- Pythagorean, Pythagorean theorem. theorem. Yeah, yeah. Pythagorean and they said we we'll just take it and we we chalked off. Um, I think it was uh, four, six, nine, whatever it was that we chalked off, and then yeah. just and then swung the rope, the chalk mark, and then when we laid it out, then it was a right angle. And I was like, "Oh my yeah. God, that's beautiful. how it works!" That's, yeah. And then when I had it, then all of a sudden, it made sense. all that stuff I've been studying strictly yeah. just for as a mental exercise, it finally translated into the real world. And then I enjoyed it. Then I went, oh, wow. That's a yeah. real life example of, of something that, you know, you can look at, well, that's, that's really s- silly, but I never got that taught to me in school. It was only memorize the theorems, memorize the formulas, learn the charts, and it had nothing, and, and pass your test. There wasn't yeah, anything yeah. in application. And so as soon as the application yeah. kicked in, which it seems like what you're doing with your, you know, with your um, Science Fiction Friday and it seems like what the, the SEEK program is, um, and as a Space Foundation teacher, it seems like that's kind of like what you're trying to address with students. Right, right, right. We're trying to, we're trying to ignite that imagination. And, you know, imagination isn't ignited with tests. <laughs> it's no. Not, well, we're, we're going to do it with more tests. It's, you got to find the student's purpose. And, you know, sometimes you have to dig a little bit, but you can find a purpose. And in education, we need to work smarter, not harder. And I, I really, I'm really passionate about you know, the role that science fiction plays in that. You know, it, 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 it would change, it would change the nation's education the moment um, top educators realize 
that science fiction plays a role in education. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, because it's imagination. You know, there's amazing people like Nikola Tesla and Einstein that have really amazing quotes on how important imagination is. Well, what genre do you have imagination that looks to the future, that looks of the possibility that could be? It's, sci- it's sci-fi. And Hubbard was one of those great men that um, put a future there for us. So Yeah, we refer to uh, science fiction as the herald of possibility. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. now you recently uh, were awarded the Alan Shepard Technology and Education Award. What What's that all about? How what did you have to do to be able to win that, and what were you able to do having won it? Okay, yeah, so really cool. Um, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so I'll go back to when they won. In 2018, um, we're at, in Colorado Springs. Uh, we're, we're pretty close to NORAD. Um, yeah. We're at the Broadmoor Hotel, uh, top people from uh, aerospace industry, about 14,000 people are there. Um, I, I'm given this little three minute, uh, talk to talk to people about education. And so, um, I, I get there, I have my paper, I've been practicing my speech, I sit down and, and my wife bumps me and, um, she says that, she goes, look, Buzz Aldrin is sitting behind us. <laughs> so I got really nervous <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it was it was really a fun event. Um, I mean, you know, th- this is just a huge, huge event that happens uh, once a year. You is that the one that like I went to? Yeah, 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 okay. yep, yeah. You have you have people like Elon Musk that shows in the shows up to the, in the crowd. You have people like John Goodwin that's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's just quite an amazing event and. Um, you know, it was just, it was an honor, uh, bestowed on me by the Space Foundation, Astronauts Memorial Foundation, NASA, and, um, I couldn't have been happier. There's a video that went viral online. It's, uh, when I first told my wife, um, they actually called me on Valentine's Day, um, to see if they could give me a heart attack. <laughs> and I, I watched that I video. Showed, it was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I showed that video to my wife. It was just super great moment in my life. And, what an honor it's been. Um, it's opened up a lot of doors where people are asking me for advice on, you know, what do we do with this program? What, how can we be of assistance with this program? And so um, how I won it was just continuing to do what I did, you know, and um, I compare it uh, to, you know, it's like with the nuclear, with nuclear, we, we routinely release the power of the atom, but why can't we routinely release the power of students? You know, and I, I think that lies in understanding um, how students learn, uh, having them find a purpose, and some of the first principles of education. And so I, uh, I've just kept on doing what I've been doing. You know, I, I found it. I found that little thing. It was just me realizing kids need to find a purpose. So when I present science fiction, I, I can see, I can observe. They're more engaged. So am I going to continue to listen to the old way and put notes on the board or am I going to emphasize that a little more? Right. And so just, you know, working that and continuing to to find out where kids, um, how kids get excited and energized about projects and what gets them going and what makes them want to learn more chemistry, more physics, more math. Um, you know, that, that's what I'm always in pursuit of. And so I've just kept on doing that with 
but with programs. Um, another program that I started uh, was the Limburg Challenge, uh-huh. and that was uh, where our students flew two flight simulators nonstop for 33 and a half hours, and it was in honor of um, uh, Charles, Charles Lindbergh's, Lindbergh. yeah, Charles Lindbergh's historic flight, uh, Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, at, at one time, that was science fiction. Being able to take a plane across the Atlantic, that's science fiction. It'll never happen, you know? Yeah. And they put the prize there, and it happened. And so um, you, you'll see great, great things. Science fiction precedes great things. And so it's, it's pretty important. <laughs> yeah, it is. So then as an educator, talking to other educators, because I'm, I'm anticipating we'll definitely have some other educators checking in on this podcast to uh, see what it has to offer. What, you know, you've been giving tips throughout this whole interview, but any other particular things that you would suggest for educators to look to and use that they have within, they don't need any more budget, they don't need any more approval that they can just take on and do themselves? Yeah, you know, so um, I, I think, you know, I'm excited to do this podcast because um, what, just getting that message out there, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the listeners just hearing that and knowing that there's a recognized educator that leans on science fiction for inspiration, it's kind of like, oh, that's okay, because they don't tell you that in teacher college. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they just, you know, there's, there's, there's some other weird philosophies going on there. Um, you know, there's different viewpoints. There people are, you know, this study said this, this study, you know, and then you're there kind of like, well, who's right? And um, I, I think it's when great educators uh, study something, they go back and they, they offer advice, you know, and if 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 I'm uh, doing anything right with students, it's, it's that I'm helping them find their purpose. And if we all do that a little better, um, then, then education will improve throughout the nation. And I think one thing that's important to say about this too is – you bore this out. You evolved it, developed it, brought it to fruition in probably one of the poorest school districts, definitely in, in Colorado, if not in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean... So definitely you didn't have money to make this stuff happen. It, it was your your resources that made it happen and engaging the student's purpose. You didn't... And typically... The lower the income bracket, the, the less budget schools have, the higher the dropout rate. And that definitely was not a problem you had. Right, right. Um, you know, there, the, the re, there's, you know there's, there's resources that are there. It, it's kind of like a catch-22. You've got to reach for them. Um, you know, like I, 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 it's not that I didn't have resources. I mean, when I started, I didn't have resources. But I kept on, you know, I would apply for a grant here, a grant there. Um, but I, the reason I was earning those grants is because I was getting students involved and I was getting students, like, excited. Um, my second year, no, my third year teaching, uh, when, I had my student, when I had a student win a gold medal for the United States um, against 76 countries, it, it, you know, it just dawned on me, like, okay, it's not money. There's finding principles. You know, you got to find the principles. What's the what's the underlying um, principle that's at work here? You know, and one of them is just finding purpose. When a student can find purpose, it goes up like chain lightning. Like the kid will just keep on learning. They'll ask more questions. How does this work? How does this chemistry work? You know, um, so which is awesome. That's just yeah, that's yeah. just amazing. 
Okay, now you've got uh, coming up in the not-too-distant future here, which um, um, when this goes up, it'll actually have already occurred, but you, you told me you're doing a, a TEDx. What? Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, it's it's called TEDx McMinnville. Um, so I'm finding out, I, this was, I applied for a TEDx talk and I got it. I'm finding out they're, they're pretty kind of, they're, they can be kind of challenging to get. So it's definitely an honor um, to to be getting this uh, TEDx talk. So TED um, is, stands for Technology, Education, and Design. Uh-huh. And um, um, most of your listeners, I would assume they've heard TED Talks. Um, uh, but if anybody doesn't know, they're, they're designed to, their tagline is ideas worth sharing. And so, um, you know, my TED Talk is called The Space Beyond Screens. So I'll kind of leave a little mystery with that, but um, it's called The Space Beyond Screens. And, uh, you know, you, I really like this title because it ha- it does have a little science fiction with, you know, the space there and education and everything. So, um, but basically the talk, I'm really excited to give this talk. Um, it has to do with uh, screen addiction in the United States and, um, well, it's not just the United States, the world, right? We... we we go out to dinner with our families and we see, we see people just on their screen. They can't put them down, you know? Yeah. And they're, we're, we're losing touch with each other. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's probably a great sci-fi book out there. It, it, maybe there's already one about screens. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't read any yet though. So if any reader, if any listeners out there have some, um, some, uh, advice on that, but it's, it's kind of interesting because, I really think science fiction writers they 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 put warning signs out there. You know, you you take something you can take something in society and you kind of go, okay, well, if this continues, where 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 are we going to be in ten years? You know, right? When when kids are growing up and they have an iPad since they're you know what since they're three years old and they're spending six ten hours a day on it, where's this kid when he's twenty? Um, and then there, then you write a you write a science fiction story about it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but now you, you know, see little but, kids that are like six months old, three months old. They're looking at a magazine and they're trying. You're using your fingers to try to blow up the picture when they're looking at a, a printed magazine. It's like right, right. Whoa, what's yeah. happening here? So, yeah, they yeah. Can't, they can't yeah. even talk. They can't read, but they got their oh, fingers know, trying to blow up the the image. You know, it, it's really it's. It's really alarming, and, and that's what my TED, my TEDx talk is about. Um, just today, this happened just today. Um, I was at the Tillamook Air Museum um, because I'm trying to find a home for one of my uh, flight simulators. Long story, but basically I'm at the Tillamook Air Museum, so it's the, one of the largest wooden structures in North America. Uh, during World War II, they housed the uh, giant uh, blimps uh-huh. there, and it was you know, as a military installation. So I walk in this hangar and I'm, I've, you know, I've been seeing spaceships and I've been in NASA and all this cool stuff. And I'm just like, this place is amazing. I'm looking around, seeing there's an F-14 in front of me, you know, and his dad hits his kid. And like, he, he kind of gives him a shove, like, get off your screen. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in a really cool museum. There's really cool things to see right now. But the kid is just stuck to that screen. Ah, broke well, it broke my heart. But uh, that's another barrier that educators are facing right now is is uh, screen addiction. I don't know what else to call it other than that. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's alarming, and 
um, we're all we're all trying to deal with it as best we can. But there again, we need to go back to principles. Like, why? How are we teaching kids to learn um, the best? And you know, and that that's one of the things with reading. Reading excites the imagination. That's right. Um, there's there's no replacement for it. You know, and um, you know, is, it, imagination is so important. And when you're reading, like if you're reading the pages of Battlefield Earth, and you have to put together the meaning and okay, well he did this, so how did this work and and that your your imagination is getting stimulated, and so um, anything that promotes reading is is a good thing for educators, you know. So any stories that you can find that kids like, what's that about, you know? So yeah, hats off. I, I actually just um, in preparation for this podcast. I, on the Battlefield Earth page, and I saw some of the making of the uh, the audio book. Of the audio book. Oh, it was cool. I just went, wow, all the sounds and everything that they're getting, you know. So it, it's all in an effort to stimulate that imagination. And so um, anybody, any genre that helps do that is definitely uh, something that's valuable for education. Well, that's awesome. So um, you're an amazing educator with a lot of uh, great ideas here and a lot of inspiration for other educators. If someone wants to be able to contact you, how can they do that? Um, so they can just call my school email. Or they can text. Or they can message me on my school email address. It's diego.martinez at delphian.org. Um, so that, that's probably the fastest way. And, uh, and they're yeah. going to look you up and find out more about you. Is there what's, what's the site they can go to? Um, so my 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 website is Tesla uh, Aerospace dot org. And a lot of people when I had, when I started that web page, they didn't know uh, this was before Elon Musk launched uh, the Tesla Roadster in roughly the Mars orbit. Um, you know, nobody understood why I chose that, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, Tesla actually stood for, it stands for teaching extraordinary students lessons in aerospace. And so with my students, I just assumed that they're already extraordinary. So teaching extraordinary students lessons in aerospace. And so it started off with lessons in aerospace. Kids just love space. They love the possibility of what would it be like to have to survive on the moon? you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And trying to, trying to anticipate the problems that, that we're going to have, you know, we have the Artemis program coming up. Uh, Jim Bernstein from NASA, uh, actually, uh, sorry, Mike Pence. This was, this was right before, um, this was right before I spoke at the, uh, space symposium. He gets up on stage. I spoke right after the vice president winning this award. Crazy. But he, <laughs> He gets up and he says, um, we're launching Space Force. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> where is this going? You know, where are we at? Whoa. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, 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 really um, you, a unique. We're at a unique point in history. You know, we're, we're, at, the, we're at the verge where we might launch into, into space. You know, we might be a space-faring civilization. Um, and I think that's a good thing because... We're, then we're not fighting each other. You know, we're not, people aren't fighting over land. There's so much land out there. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much land on other planets and resources. And it's a, it's a bigger, it's a bigger game than just fighting. You know, we're all neighbors on earth. And so if we're just fighting each other, um, we're wasting a lot of effort and energy and life and all that. And, and I, I, you know, I, I know you work with a lot of current, uh, 
science fiction writers. So yeah. I'm just in awe of what you do too, John. It's like, it's so cool that you're able to help all these writers with the writers of the future contest and everything that you do to, to keep man going to Mars. And, you know, I, I hope that one day, um, one of my students, uh, is puts boots on Mars and, you know, I'm def I definitely think that, uh, one of those students will have read some science fiction. <laughs> I'm sure. Along the way. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Diego. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. All right. And thank you for listening. Again, in his introduction to Battlefield Earth, Elmer Hubbard wrote that science fiction, particularly in its golden age, had a mission, beating the drum to get man to the stars. The To the Stars podcast has been created to recognize and honor those who have dedicated themselves to this objective. Subscribe to the To the Stars podcast wherever you find your podcast. And again, thank you very much, Diego. Thank you, John. Appreciate it.